Today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus, all that Jesus did and taught, from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles who he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them all by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of the sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we have heard the good news that Christ is risen and that he is seated at your right hand. All power and glory belong to you. And you have promised us power and glory, the power of life eternal, the power of your Holy Spirit, on which we wait. We pray you come to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit, with power, that we may hear the good news, be filled with your life, and speak it to the world. Amen. So today's scripture reading begins where Easter leaves off. After Jesus was raised from the dead, our text tells us he showed up alive to his disciples, showing them many convincing proofs. I've always wondered what exactly the proofs were that he showed them, but it just says many convincing proofs. And when he's around, he sticks around for 40 days, and he gives them a seminar on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God being the world set right, the world as it is when God's God gets God's way. It's 40 days imparting knowledge, teaching essential spiritual practices, getting them ready for the mission ahead of them. A 40-day Jesus boot camp, you could say. Now, at this point in the story, we might expect something like the movie Rocky or The Karate Kid or, you know, Cobra Kai, if you want to be more contemporary. You know, rigorous training and exercise leading up to the big event. The disciples are unleashed on the world to cast out demons left and right, to give the devil a holy roundhouse kick. I can't go up that high in my alb. I surely could do it if I wasn't wearing this, but 
to give them a holy roundhouse kick and reclaim the world for God and God's good purposes, right? Well, not exactly. It's not exactly what happens next. At the end of the 40 days, when he's ready to leave, Jesus orders them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there on the promise of the Father. John baptized you all with water, and you all will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you know, the disciples are kind of confused by this. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> we don't really get it. You're all gung-ho about this kingdom of God thing. You had us praying and studying scripture with you for like 40 days. So like, is this going to happen now or what? They're all trained up, so they want to get moving. They want to get into the action. But Jesus says, Jesus says that the timeline belongs to God. It's not for them to know when. All they need to know is that the Spirit will come sometime. And when the Spirit comes, they'll receive power, and then they can put into practice their training from Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. But now they wait. And so with that, Jesus is taken up into a cloud and he's taken up into the very life of God. He ascends. So the disciples are trained up. They're ready to go. Jesus leaves and their assignment is to stick around in Jerusalem and take a long pause. Wait for the Spirit's power to come on high. They're pumped right up. They're living in a whole new world with a grand new purpose. And their very first mission is to wait. To wait. Of course, waiting's never been an easy or a glamorous thing to do. If there's anything this past year has taught us, it's that waiting is hard especially as children of the modern world, where so much is given to us instantly. We're also used to kind of a problem and solution paradigm for everything where something's wrong, you just need to figure out how to solve it, and then you do it, which is great when it comes to stuff like, say, vaccines. But for people unused to it, waiting can be a demoralizing, painful thing, even. And not only that, but there are so many things in our lives that need doing. We're bombarded every day in our news feeds with soul-shaking issues and life-threatening challenges and tragedies that need addressing and are calling for a response. Waiting just sounds so passive, irresponsible even. If we don't act now, then life will just pass us by. If we don't do something, then maybe the world will actually fall apart. Waiting for us is wasting. Waiting is wasting. Why would you wait when you can do something? And get active and get out there. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, this whole mentality is kind of exhausting. Isn't it? It's kind of exhausting. I mean, there's more for us to do than ever before, and we have the me more of the means to do it than ever before, but the list of things to do isn't getting any shorter. I mean, before COVID, a lot of us were 
kind of on this endless treadmill of busyness already. We didn't want to miss out. We didn't want to drop the ball. We didn't want to miss an opportunity. And you know, a lot of COVID stuff has been absolutely ruinous. There's no doubt about that. But when COVID hit and suddenly our schedules were cleared right out, you could hear a huge collective sigh of relief, right? And that's because rather than feeling empowered and productive like we've always been promised we'd be, we felt like we were being swallowed by endless expectations and unlimited claims on our time, energy, and attention. So it was kind of a sigh of relief when it all went away. And you know, of course, what do we want to do now? We feel so guilty that we're not being productive and getting all those things done that we kind of want to get back to busy ASAP. Waiting is so hard for us because we've internalized the idea that waiting is wasting. Wasting time, opportunity, and initiative. Waiting is wasting. And the last time you want, thing you want to do is waste an opportunity. For us, to wait is to waste time, potential, energy, and power. That is, I mean, unless you believe that maybe we aren't the only energy or power out there. If you believe that we aren't even the primary power out there. And you know, the next scene in our passages, I mean, Ingrid did a great sort of reenactment of it. But the next scene in our passage, in my estimation, may be one of the great comedy episodes in the New Testament. You know, Jesus is taken up, he's taken out of sight, and the, the disciples just keep staring at the clouds. You know, keeps going up, it's going up. Oh, can't see. it's like a balloon, you know, you keep see the balloon. Further, in, can still see, still Gone. And they just keep watching. They just keep watching. Like they came all this way and Jesus is just taken off. He told them to wait, but they're on the clock. He must be, he must be on his way back because they've got stuff to do and they need his help to do it. I mean, you sort of picture them shielding their eyes from the sun, staring off at the blue. And then just suddenly these two men, it says men in white robes. I mean, there's no stage instructions. Where do they come from? Stage left, stage right. We don't know. And it says they sidle up to the disciples. Now, these figures are very clearly angels, right? These are heavenly messengers. They've got something important to say. And they're kind of like, what are you looking at? They asked the disciples, what are you looking at? You sort of imagine one of the disciples responding, oh, well, Jesus went up that way, and he told us to wait for further instructions. So that's what we're doing. Uh-huh, yes. Look, say the two figures, why are you looking up there? Jesus, who's been taking, taken up, he'll be back the same way you saw him go. Basically, they're saying, He'd be back. He'd return to complete the mission he came for in the first place. You can bank on that. This is a promise you can trust. God will do what God has promised 
to do. You may not know when, but the Holy Spirit will come soon enough. Now stop staring at the clouds. Go back to Jerusalem, like he told you, and get back to the stuff of ordinary life. Wait, listen, pray, slow down, keep your minds and your hearts open. And at the right time, you will be filled with God's power, and you will do what needs to be done. But in the meantime, go back to Jerusalem and wait. And I mean, we're kind of like these disciples, really, kind of watching the skies, or more likely watching our smartphones, chomping at the bit for life to get busy again. There's no time to squander. Get the diploma. Roll up your sleeves. Get shovel ready down or nothing will be done. But these heavenly figures assure us that breakneck speed is not the only way of living. And that actually, there is another power that sets the tempo of reality. Where we believe we are the only writers of our own story, if we just try hard enough that we are the primary actors in shaping history, this says that God is the primary actor in history. And Jesus is seated at God's right hand. This says that the current of history flows towards heaven without our help. This says that there is another power surging through our universe, and though it is largely hidden, this power sets the rhythm of things. It takes the lead in the dance with its own purpose, its own interests. The Holy Spirit works on her own time, and schedule, drawing all things together for good. And our role, our first role as the church, our first order of business, is to wait, to slow down, to listen, to discern, to be prepared for the Holy Spirit to work, to receive her power and follow her lead when the time comes. Now, I realize that this is a very different way of thinking than we're kind of socialized into as a culture and society. I realize also that this fact does nothing to change the speed or content of most of our lives. The world's just going to keep going at this. It's kind of no point to try to make the world stop going the way it is. The world's going to be the world. And we've got to live in it whether we like it or not. But there are a couple things from this text to help us live counterculturally within the world as it is in the world, not of it, as says the Gospel of John. Now, first of all, we are given permission to wait. We're given permission to wait. One of the primary markers of the modern world is speed, acceleration, efficiency. We've all been socialized into that. That we've got to take and mold or fashion our lives at every opportunity and grasp that with gusto. But the ascension tells us that God is the ultimate master of our destiny. 
You know how the song goes, he's got the whole world in his hands. That is a perfect ascension theme. Jesus is coming back the way, same way he came in the fullness of time, the mystery of God's choosing. If we're on God's clock and not at the driving pace of the market economy or living in the infinite algorithm of Silicon Valley, it means that we have permission to slow down without that lingering sense of guilt and self-justification. We know how the story ends, so we don't have to get anxious about how it's going to play out. We don't need to ensure that our lives or the world come out right because that's God's job, not ours. We can wait because in God's world, there is a time for everything. I, you know, sing a turn, turn, turn. There's a season. I've done the most singing that I've done in a long time in this. Perfect distancing, too, for it. Waiting does not have to be wasting because the Lord God took a day off, even, at creation. <laughs> We're given permission. We can wait without guilt. And second, because we are on God's time and given permission to wait, we can step back and discern what is actually worth pursuing. Are we torturing ourselves by keeping up with a 24-hour news cycle, fearing missing out on each event in detail as if our lives depended on it? Are we sacrificing our children's joy, spontaneity, their relationship with us and God by programming them and scheduling them based on our own desires for their future excellence? Are we killing ourselves, seeking after money or success or spending our days lamenting our lack thereof? Are we doing all of these things? Guess what? All that stuff may seem essential to happiness, necessary for future flourishing, but according to the scriptures, it's not. It's not. Jesus trains his disciples in the kingdom of God. Elsewhere, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and this will come to you. Being a part of what God is doing in our world, that is the true stuff of life. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Love of God, love of neighbor, justice, mercy, witnessing to the new life that is possible on account of Christ's death and resurrection. These are the things in life worth pursuing. And the funny thing about pursuing them, our text says, is that they aren't just things that we can earn or accumulate or obtain. We can't force them. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts that come to us, gifts to be received. All the training that Jesus gives us, prayer, weekly worship, generosity, loving and serving each other, and yes, Sabbath rest, it's all about waiting on God, about getting our lives ready to receive God's power, to receive the Spirit's power. It's all first and foremost about learning how to receive new life in Christ when it comes. Because we're on God's time, we can step back 
and discern. We can learn to take our cue from the Spirit as to what's worth doing and when to do it with the promise that we'll actually be given the power and the strength to do what's needed when the right time comes. Waiting may be the last thing we want to do right now. I mean, I'm pretty sick of it. I'm just sick and tired of waiting. But perhaps God is using this time to kind of refresh our memories, to open our ears and our eyes and hearts in new ways. In our fast-paced world, waiting has become a vice The good news is, though, that because Christ is risen and he reigns, we are freed to wait. We are given the gift of patience. In the Jesus Academy, we are schooled in a whole different timetable, one where we need to be caught up in an endless cycle of exhausting busyness, but can instead step back and discern what truly matters and what's actually worth getting caught up in the first place. So, friends, you have permission to wait. You have permission to slow down, take stock of your life and the life of your family, take a breath, take your eyes off the clouds, and focus them on the here and now, knowing that the power of God is on its way in God's good time. Trust that Christ will come the same way he left. And that because your timeline ultimately belongs to God, maker of heaven and earth, you can wait. Amen. with me blessed assurance blessed assurance
Sad.